I think that the most growth we find in our lives and in our, our transformations, no matter what it is, is through getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you don't feel uncomfortable doing it, then you're not challenging or pushing yourself. And Welcome to the Mental Loops Podcast. This show is all about learning to think on purpose so that we can create any result we want in our lives. I am your host and coach, Ariana Yahya. Let's begin. Hello, my lovely listeners. I am so excited to share today's podcast interview with you. It's with Sam Wallace, and she's an entrepreneur, fitness cover model, fat loss specialist, and health and wellness coach. She's the founder and CEO of Sam Wallace Fitness, an online personal training company where she specializes in helping her clients with weight loss and creating lifelong sustainability. And she's based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Samantha is passionate in helping other individuals regain their quality of life and helping her clients instill health and fitness into their everyday lives almost seamlessly. Her goal is to educate and empower men and women on the importance of their health and wellness through her online presence. She has been featured on the cover of Scottsdale Health Magazine, the side of Mayo Podcast with Nick White, and Beyond the Image Podcast with James Patrick. And today she's featured on the Mental Loops Podcast. And what I absolutely loved about this conversation is that she also talked about body image in not only the dance world where she sort of grew up but also just the body image issues that we as women might encounter in this society eating disorders which we really do not talk about enough and also substance abuse um, substance abuse and depression and anxiety issues and how this all relates to body health and wellness and we also tie in a lot of this fitness talk into the uh, the mindset that's rooted in wanting to be healthy out of love and respect and kindness for yourself rather than this push that we have to be perfect and that we have to look a certain way and so sam is sort of the perfect perfect example um in how she shows up as an influencer online without sort of this pressure to be perfect and um, push people into being fit and so I really do hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did interviewing her and as you'll notice actually this conversation was actually just supposed to be like a an intro pre-podcast conversation but her and I hit it off so well we just kind of kept the whole conversation going and made it a podcast episode. So Sam thrives in helping others unlock their greatest potential by helping them create a lifestyle of balanced health and wellness. And you will love listening to her. She will empower you to be the best you can be. Enjoy the episode. Here we go. Okay, here we go. So yeah, um, so tell me a little bit about you. Like what's, um, I know your background. I think that's really, really cool what you're doing. I always love talking to women who are help you know helping others live better lives um and i I totally get it i've I've been in that world um so i want to hear a little bit more about like how did you get into that work and and things like that so um it's it's kind of a long story but i'll kind of cliff note it um So growing up, I actually was a competitive studio dancer. So I did that full time. And 
Um, my schedule would kind of look like this. I would wake up, I'd get ready for school, go to school, and then it would be straight to dance. And dance would start at 3 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd be there till 9, 10, sometimes even 11 at night. So on top of school, I was dancing, you know, 40, sometimes 60 hours a week and traveling. Um, I, my parents went through a pretty brutal divorce during my adolescence. And so my brother and I um, kind of grew up in just a very, I, I don't want to say broken because we were very blessed. Like our parents took care of us, but there was a lot of adversities that um, we were faced with that really compromised our mental health and our mental state. And so for me being in the dance world, I am five foot, I'm little. So I struggled with body dysmorphia and eating disorders um, at a very extreme level. And between, you know, body image being everything in the dance world and being little and on the more muscular side, I just, I never felt like I physically fit in um, in an appearance standpoint. And then with everything at home emotionally that I was experiencing, eating was the only thing I ever had control over. So I struggled with anorexia and bulimia. And, um, I, I just felt that that was the only thing I could control in my life. And I fell into some substance abuse, um, you know, issues and was partying and was drinking and was, you know, smoking weed and doing other various things because I wanted to be a teenager. I wanted to have fun and experience life because all I ever knew was, you know, emotional distress and dance. And so for me, when I got into high school, it's like, I, I need something that's going to you know, I want the high school experience. I want to go out with my friends. I want to go to homecoming games. And I fell into a party scene. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated high school, I didn't really have direction. I was a straight A student. I was in AP classes. I never really envisioned myself wanting to go to college, but the way I was raised, it was you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a degree and um, start your life. And so when I wasn't dancing any longer after I graduated high school, it's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to stay in shape? Like I'm, am I going to gain weight? I, I need to be a part of a team. I need to be competing. So I took a year off of uh, school and I fell into bodybuilding. I had started going to the gym and um, one of my girlfriends had mentioned, you know, Hey, you should check out the NPC. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I only pictured bodybuilders as like these really big, you know, original bodybuilders. And like, I don't think I want to do that. So no, you have to see the bikini division and just see if this is something that you're interested in. And so I went to a show and they were very feminine and it reminded me a lot of the dance world. So I kind of was like, oh, this would be really fun. I could, I think I could do something like this. So I started working out and training, didn't know what I was doing. I would kind of follow what other people in the gym were doing. I had no rhyme or reason. I just I don't know. Yeah. YouTube and Instagram was just starting. There wasn't resources for this. Um, so I had ended up meeting my first trainer there and he was like, Hey, I'm branching out, starting my own business. You should come over and do a couple free sessions with me. I train competitors for shows. So it was kind of like within this four week period that all of this stuff kind of started falling in place. Um, and then next thing I knew, I started working with him and I started training for my first show and I competed and 
I placed second in a teen division and I was like, that's not good enough. I need to (laughs) place first. So I kept training and, um, the rest was history. I competed for four years and back-to-back shows. I ended up obtaining two overall titles and six first place finishes, uh, went to nationals and, uh, did not do (laughs) too well there. Um, but it was an awesome experience and I was really grateful for it. So during that time, I was going to school full time. Um, I had ended up going back to school and I was pursuing a pre-med degree. Uh, I ended up changing my major four different times because nobody told me you could major in basket weaving and go to medical school. So I was following science degrees for um, psychology. I went for anatomy physiology at one point and then ended up settling with biochem. And I was bartending my way through school and I was very fortunate that I was debt free. I, you know, I just, my heart wasn't in it. I just didn't feel like school was the path for me. And so for years I was spending all of this time, just like searching for my answer, like, who am I? What do I want to do? What is my purpose? And I found this trap of setting an age for myself that I had to accomplish life by. And I kept constantly falling short because I wasn't where I wanted to be because I couldn't figure it out. And, um, so last year, little fast forward, I had, I dabbled into online coaching on and off for, um, many, like since I had started competing, I was doing online coaching, but, I never correlated the two of, Hey, like I could do this full time. It was more so, yeah, I just help people on the side, but I'm a competitor and this is where my focus is. And so last year I was just at a dead point and I'm like, I need to make more money. This isn't cutting it bartending anymore. I can't do this, you know, into my fifties. And I got a job in the orthodontics field and started learning how to become an assistant and realized mouths were just disgusting. And, um, I was working, you know, two full-time jobs, 80 hours a week, burning myself thin, living paycheck to paycheck. So I had a death in the family last October, and that was an eye opener for me that life is precious and our time here is very valuable. And what kind of impression or legacy do I want to leave behind for my family when I have one, one day, or what do I, what do I need to do for myself to be happy? Because this, this is not how I want to wake up feeling every day. So that first death in our family happened. And then we had two more right after in the span of five weeks. And I just felt like this energy was just shifting around me and I was being pulled to do more. So I marinated on it for a couple of months and then February came and I was like, I, well, I'd kind of gotten pulled into the office because my um, team and my doctors were like, "Eh, something's like, you're not okay. Like, is everything all right? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't do this anymore. And so I, I gave them my two weeks and I was like, I really appreciate the opportunity. This has been a great learning experience, but I think I really need to take some time to figure out who I am and what I want to do with myself. So I left my job and went back to bartending full time. And a month later, the pandemic hit. And my whole industry got shattered and I had started working with a business coach, um, around that time. And we had set a six month goal and we said, you know, in six months, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to start my business and we're going to work, you know, towards that and get everything in line. Well, 
that six month goal ended up being a 72 hour goal. (laughs) And so I just took the risk and I started my business and the rest is history. And I am so grateful that everything blindly worked out the way that it did because it truly changed my life for the better. And now I get to wake up every day helping, um, women from all walks of life earn back their confidence and reshape their lifestyles through one of the most, um, I, in my viewpoint, I think this has been the most adversity trying year that, uh, really, all of us together as a world and as a community have experienced in some way, shape or form. And if you can find opportunity and success in that, I mean, it's just incredible to see what's going to come from when life has some form of normality back to it. Um, so yeah, I'm, that's kind of my backstory of how I fell yeah. into it. Well, wow. Like that, that's amazing too. Cause I, I kept thinking as you were saying, telling me the story, I kept thinking, but wait a minute, that means that you would have hit the pandemic right even before you started it. So it's just amazing that you had the resilience to be able to say instead of, I'm going to hold off on this until maybe things get better. But you're like, oh, I'm just going to speed it up. (laughs) Like make it happen. Right. Well, and you have two. I had two viewpoints. One of them was, this is where I have to end up. Like, I'm already at rock bottom in my emotional standpoint. What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to go back to where I'm already at. I'm already doing this. So what's the harm in taking a risk and trying? Like, what if this does succeed? And what if this does become everything and more that I could ever hope for? And, and it's not about the financial standpoint. It's about helping people. And that's the greatest feeling is seeing, you know, a mom, seeing a mom be able to run with her kids for the first time or, um, and I mean, it's, it's incredible. It brings me to tears. And I just, I feel so grateful that I was given the opportunity and the ability to help others Mm -hmm. aspire and achieve what they truly want. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of handholding and a little bit of encouragement and tough love to just Mm -hmm. say, Hey, can do this. So I'm very blessed. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy how the brain, once we hit that rock bottom, it's, there's no question. Right. And then you just find all these ways to do it. Um, whereas if we're comfortable, (laughs) it finds all the excuses of like, why we shouldn't do that. So I love that you said that, that, you know, you had this different perspective of like, it's just a viewpoint. Well, what if it does work out? Right. And that's one of the main questions I ask my um, applicants when they come in for inquiries and coaching, because I'm very selective about the people that I work with. And I'm very straightforward that I don't want to work with you. I don't want to work with you because I cannot help you. And you have to you have to change the viewpoint because and this is why I asked this specific question in my applications. You know, where do you want to be 16 weeks from now? What what is your life going to look like if you don't take action right now? And it's, it's not surprising, but it, I, for me, it's, it always is because they majority people will say, I'm going to be right where I am. So 
how, how does that in turn, not to be a therapist on someone, but how does that make you feel knowing that you're going to stay stagnant? Mm -hmm. Like what's the worst that can happen? You take a risk and maybe you finally lose that 10 pounds you've been wanting to lose, or maybe you have a better relationship with food Mm -hmm. because if you're already at that bottom point, you can't go any lower than that. So what's the harm in just trying? Yeah. I don't know how much of this you see, but you know, the, the fear of change and the fear of like, who am I going to be if I'm not this, like, if I'm not this weight or if I'm not eating these foods, or if I'm not being mean to myself, cause that's kind of what I deal with a lot of people just kind of being mean to themselves, like the, self, the inner self talk, right. Then who am I? So it's this fear where they know there's a fear, but they have committed to being fearful and have committed to be being that person and changing is just such a big leap of faith. And I think that that's kind of a similarity from being a coach and being a fitness coach. Right. Um, and I don't know if you see any of that in your work. Yeah, I actually, um, I just did a podcast a few months ago on, um, the topic of allowing fear to drive you. And it's interesting because that's, I mean, a lot of, we all have a reason why we start something. We all have a reason why we are motivated or why we want to accomplish these things. For me, I went through a, (laughs) I went through a pretty brutal breakup with someone that I was really in love with, you know, six, seven years ago. And for me, my journey into fitness, of course, a lot of it later I recognized was because I wanted to fix myself. But my initial reason was, hey, screw you. I'm going to make myself know. And I actually, I run into that a lot, but I was scared and I was scared to take that leap. But it, again, it comes back to perspective and how you allow that fear to drive you. So you can hold on to fear and you can stay stagnant and become a victim to it, or you can harness fear and allow it to drive you forward and become a victor. And I think that the complacency that people get into isn't, it's, it doesn't come from being scared to make change. It comes from the confidence factor that we lack inside ourselves to manifest that fear and start the momentum forward with it. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is habit reformation. And that's why I've designed my program the way that I do is we work consistently on habit reformation because the reason, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but the term diet, I do not like diets because diets fail. They're temporary and sustainability comes from a lifestyle transformation. So you're committing to changing your lifestyle. You're not committing to just changing the way that you eat this week. It's, I'm, I'm going to make this my life and the way that I live it. And so my favorite is, yeah, I start off Mondays and I'm really strong in my goals and I eat healthy Monday through Thursday. And then they cater in food to the office or my spouse wants to do something to eat or different or go out for a date night. And then they start the cycle and the hamster wheel of, oh, well, I already ate this. So I'm just going to eat that. And then it just kind of continues to spiral forward until Sunday hits. And they're like, well, I'm already off the rocker. Might as well just start again tomorrow. And the reason for that is one lack of knowledge on how to make foods work for you. The second is trusting yourself because you failed so many times before. How are you going to find the trust to follow through on it again? Which makes people yeah. hesitant to 
start working with a coach because if you don't trust yourself, how are you going to trust other people to help you? Mm -hmm. And it's not the other people, it's you making that commitment to do it. So Mm -hmm. that's the second one. And the third one is being able to talk kindly to yourself. Like you mentioned, we, this is one of the conversations I love to have with my clients when they, um, always turn to a more pessimistic mindset towards themselves. You wouldn't walk up to someone and say, wow, you look really fat today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, you're just, hope so not. <laughs> right. Right. You would never say that right. to somebody. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you, I would see you and I would say, oh my gosh, I love that color yellow on you. It looks so great. It really accents your, your Auburn hair, you know, and you're like, wow, right. Really good. But thank you. I'm going to wear yellow more often and it makes me feel good for like five, 10 minutes. Right. And then it, that just that compliment kind of sticks with you a little bit, but then it's gone and you move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But when somebody comes up to you and they say, Hey, I just want you to know that you are one of the most genuine people I've ever met. You just have this character about you that I just feel comfortable having a conversation with you. I thank you. And those are the compliments right. that really make us think about ourselves. And like, that's what I think defines us as in humanity. Like, wow. Okay. Like I really am doing something good in the world. Like I'm really helping people. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that you get those messages from your podcast all the time and that, Hey, I really needed that message today. I I'm so happy you interviewed this person. I needed that. So imagine if we took the way that we talk to others and turned that into ourselves, could you imagine waking up oh, in the morning mm-hmm. and looking at yourself and just saying, wow, you look so good today. You are going to rock this outfit. You're going to rock this interview. Like that confidence, A, puts more money in our pockets, which we all want more money, but B, gives us the ability to love deeper to others. It gives us the ability to show up for our families more and to teach our kids how we want them to become because our kids feed off of our energy. Oh, true. Yeah. I love, love, love that you said that. Yeah. I just read something yesterday. Um, and that kind of compliments what you just said with the capability for us to love someone else comes from how much we can love ourselves and that that's truly what self-love is, right? So if we can fully and completely love ourselves and then, and then try to lose weight or live a healthier lifestyle or do everything in the world from that place, um, that's a beautiful thing for, you know, I kind of like to, I like to use, I love metaphors and like comparisons, just, I don't know. I think it's like self-love is if we were doing a mixed drink, right? So like you go to a bar or you go out to dinner and you order a vodka soda with a lime, right? Our self-love is the vodka. It's the main part of the drink. And then everything else comes into fruition. So our relationships and our life and the happiness that it brings is the soda. And then the exercising and the nutrition and the, um, you know, confidence factors, like those come from the line. Like those are just the garnish on top. And I think the place that people struggle with getting to is the vodka is the base Mm -hmm. because we have to, we have to constantly train our minds to think differently Mm -hmm. and it gets harder the older we get. And I specifically struggle with this with my older clientele, my ladies that are up in, sorry, that is no offense to anybody. Over, over 35, but I'm, tw- I'm 25. So I, I do have a lot of, you know, 
millennials and younger generations that are coming in. And when I start working with women that are in their late forties up into their fifties and sixties, it's hard because that's 50 years of ha- of just habit reformation that has to be done of breaking that mindset mm-hmm. that, Hey, like everything you've known for 50 years, <laughs> we have to exactly. Yeah. Correct. Whereas, you know, the younger girls, like my 21 year olds that come in, they don't really, they haven't really experienced life yet. So they're a little bit more of an open book to change. So you can kind of nip those habits in the butt and, and readdress them. Whereas like, I said, yeah, the older you get, the harder it is. It's like, that. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So that, and that's kind of the whole concept of the mental loops is that, you know, the, the, the pathways and the loops and the maps and the stories and the commitments and decisions that we've made when we were in our twenties, when we were teenagers, stick with us unless we choose to reframe them. And that takes a lot of work. And so um, it is that habit formation of really, really digging deep every day and journaling. And, you know, and I would assume that with even, you know, if you wanted to change your lifestyle and eating and wellness, it's probably, I don't know if you recommend for your clients to, to keep track of like what they're doing to be able to become aware of like, what am I eating? What am I doing when I wake up? How do I think? What are my thoughts? Because our thoughts create our results. So how am I thinking about this food? Um, and I don't know if, if you do any of that, but it all kind of inner, inner is like inner, what, what, what am I trying to say? They're twined. They're twined. <laughs> it's funny that you brought that up because I, that is the staple of my program. So, um, what I basically, the way that my program runs is I run a 16 week bikini body training program. And it's, I take women from kind of shapely, um, and more on like the softer side. And I help them create a more muscular, like lean muscular appearance, right? Like women want sexy toned shoulders. They kind of want like some tonage to their abs. We want bigger glutes. We want more defined legs. And that's, basically what bikini bodybuilding is. If you look at that class from, you know, a more of like a regional standpoint, not necessarily like pros and that's like another level, but for the average woman, we just want to feel our best. We want to feel confident. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I have, I haven't seen any other coaches doing this in the fitness industry, which is kind of what sets my, my program apart from others. Um, I, I joke all the time that my title should really be Sam Wallace therapist, life coach, then trainer, because when you start working with somebody that you feel really confident in, it's very easy to confide, especially in the fitness space of every emotional journey that you're experiencing, because Mm -hmm. it does tie into health and fitness. And we as coaches do kind of tend to become therapists in a sense, and not that we're giving like clinical advice and telling people, you know, that this is what they need to do, but it's, it's a different kind of friendship that, and a different level of trust that opens that door for vulnerability that allows women to create that change. And if you don't connect with your coach, as you do with like a therapist, you're not going to find that breakthrough success. And a lot of it is because of trust. So what I, the way that I structured my bikini body program 
is around a habit reformation workbook. And in this habit reformation workbook, I took every single struggle, every single success, every single emotional setback that my clients have experienced over the last year and how we formulated solutions to it to help them find lifestyle sustainability. And I condensed it into a full workbook. Mm -hmm. So every single week, no matter if this is your current struggle or something that you will struggle with, it's you're focusing on every single aspect of your life. And I tied it into a Facebook group page. So there's mandatory homework and they have to sign contracts when they get started that, Hey, I'm committing to showing up for myself in this Facebook group. I'm committing to working through this, um, workbook in addition to my program and my nutrition. And I'm committing that I am making a lifestyle transformation for myself, or it's grounds for immediate termination and removal from this group, because Mm. I want women that are coming in that are, I don't care where you're at in your journey. I don't care if you're 200 pounds overweight, if you are, you know, underweight, or if you are as fit as can be, if you're not willing to show up and work on yourself, I don't want to work with you because I can't help you. And this group atmosphere, I mean, we just launched, I just launched this yesterday and I have 15 girls that are in this group, um, specifically just this group, one-on-one coaching is different, but oh my goodness, like they all got entered into it on Friday and it is insane how they are showing up for each other. I mean, I'm just blown away at the community that's being formed, but they're taking the initiative because they know they're supported. They know that there is no judgment. They can be free. They can be themselves, but they're all working together on the same goals. And transformative. I mean, we go over their nutrition, how to schedule, uh, or how to create consistent regimented schedules, um, how to speak to ourselves. We do a diet of joy where they pick 35 to, yeah, where they pick 35 to hundred things that make them happy and they have to apply it in their life. We take their negative thoughts and turn them into positive affirmations. So, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you say like, Oh, like I just look so fat today. Well, how am I going to redirect that? Oh, I love myself in the color yellow. Okay, great. You just shaped one, one negative thought to a positive one. Exactly. That is so good. I I absolutely love that Um, because that's ultimately what it's going to be is that it's going to be reframing that self-talk of like, okay, well, what about, I just have a body, right? Like I don't have to go from I'm, I'm fat to oh my gosh, I'm the hottest woman in this whole world. Like that's a little hard, right? But if we can find those easy thoughts that we can then build into a belief of who am I when I am fit? Who's the person that is fit? So that is so great. I I love that. Absolutely love that work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's so true because women actually, men are a lot more subjective to the number on the scale than women are, I found. But for women, it's, the emotional tie of this defines who I am. And it's not true because if you weighed 10 pounds, 20 pounds heavier than you do right now and had your dream body, that number on the scale would be irrelevant because you have your dream body. So you wouldn't even flinch at looking at a scale. You wouldn't even let it affect you because it's not the number that's hurting you. It's your self-confidence about yourself. And if you weigh, I mean, let's just, I'll use myself for example. If I weighed 
115 pounds and I didn't love myself. And I said, you know, oh, I want to, well, I guess, okay, this isn't, I'm very petite. I'm very, very petite. But if I said, you know, I want to be 105 pounds, which is accurate for my height and my size, um, you know, who's to say that that is going to make me feel better as a person, because what's going to happen is, is you're going to hit that 105 and you're going to feel a sense of satisfaction for maybe three days or a week. You're going to be on cloud nine, but then you're just going to pick something else that you're going to pick yourself apart with. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like, oh, well, now my butt isn't big enough or now, you know, my clothes don't fit right. Or I need to lose more weight or I need to gain weight. It's just, you have to love yourself at every single stage. And I, I really believe that that's where self-love gets so conflicted because you see these women on social media that are posting about self-love topics, right? Like love yourself at every stage and love yourself with this. And it doesn't matter if you're overweight. It doesn't matter if you're underweight or where you are. Well, that's true. That's 100% true. But eventually our health has to come into care and we have to care about our health and we have to put ourselves on that stepping stone to yes, leave, lead a balanced, healthy lifestyle, but self-love is about internally loving who we are as people. Right. And I think that that's the biggest misconstruity that's happening nowadays. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for clarifying that. I, I totally agree. It's that it's, it's the loving our, our, who we are as people and who we are when we are not at our best, right? So like something that I've really been focusing on is, you know, sitting with these negative emotions of like, well, what does happen? Like, what's the fail plan of like, if you do go off your diet or what's the fail plan, let's say in anything else, like if you don't get the job or if you don't, like, how are you going to treat yourself when things aren't going right, right? Um, Because that's really the character building. That's really when, when we see who we truly are is when things don't go right for us or we have a negative emotion, like, um, you know, anger or frustration or things like that. Um, well, anger really isn't an emotion. It's a side effect of sadness or, or something underneath, but that, I think that's really important to really help people prep for that. Um, so I love to hear that that is your, um, that's the way that you work. <laughs> well, I, yeah, we do. I mean, I, I'm young, but through the, and my program is not a bodybuilding base. Like there's a lot of things that you learn from a competitor aspect. And, um, you know, I've coached for orange theory. I've coached for, you know, commercial gyms and independently, and there's just so much that you can take and that you can learn in your time and through life experiences that at the base of it, we're all struggling in some way, shape or form. We're all looking and turning to fitness as a form of healing. And whether that's, you know, wearing clothes that you have never worn before. And that's what makes you feel good or being able to run five miles and you've never ran before in your life. I mean, at the base of it, it's a healing journey and a healing aspect and how we manage our emotions. But in order to get there, we first have to tame the emotional aspect and then reel them back in and then allow them to come forward and treat them with grace. And it's, it's inspiring. It's so incredible to see women harness that. And I, I am, I wouldn't characterize myself as a feminist, but I love supporting strong women because we are just a group of bad asses. We can really accomplish anything. We can, we can. And it's, Oh, it's just incredible. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, that is so great. And um, just even looking at your social media, for sure, I think you have a lot of um, women that really look up to you, which is so great, right? Because it's such a fine line. And we can kind of touch on that as well of like, 
looking on social media and having influencers who are not necessarily doing it the wrong way, but like it can also have a side effect of like women who are watching, who aren't there feeling like they're not enough, right? Like, okay, well, I will never look like this. And just really the balance between like what it means, all like everything we just talked about, about like, you know, being healthy and yet knowing that that is not the only way to be, right? Um, so I think you do such a good job. Can you hear? I think I froze. Yeah, you're a little frozen. Oh, I don't know what happened here. Okay, here we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I love that you brought up social media because I actually was just having this conversation with a client um, yesterday. So for me, I'm just Sam. I, I don't consider myself an influencer. I don't consider myself, you know, anything because I mean, I guess if you had to characterize it, it would technically I'd be classified as like a micro influencer because it's over that 10K mark. But I just have never really looked at social media as something that defines who I am as a person. I've just, I just show up in my space who I, as who I am and I'm raw, I'm real, I'm honest. If I don't support something, I'm not going to represent it. If, you know, I, I just want my page to always remain safe for everyone. And anybody who comes there, you come as you are, you leave the rest of the door. We're here to support. We're here to encourage. If you have anything negative to say, get out because this is a place for people to feel their best and know that they're welcomed and that they will never have judgment on my page. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool because my followers are very, um, they're ride or dies. They really are just they're here for the high highs or here for the really low lows and anything in between. Mm-hmm. And I've, I think that I'm really blessed that I've, I've actually never dealt with any like negativity on my page. I've never date, uh, um, I've never had any like bullying or hate speech. And I think that comes from just a, like what I tolerate mm-hmm. on there. And this is something that I've had to learn is that we set the precedence for how we're treated and we set the bar for how we allow people to oh respect. Yes, absolutely. And this is common in our personal life. And it's also common on social media. If you allow people to speak to you in that way, then, and you don't back anything up or stand up for yourself then, or other people. Like, I mean, if I saw something negative about someone else, like block deleted by, like you don't, you're not allowed to be here. But, um, I mean, I just think that I, because I've been so raw and real from the beginning that when people come to my page, they know exactly what they're getting. They know who I am. They know like what I tolerate and don't. So, um, you know, we take a lot of that and transpire that into our personal lives as well. And as far as comparisons, I, I was definitely a lot more stuck in that, um, about two years ago where I just had to get off of social media. I was like, I have to pull myself away. I just, every time I get on here, I just feel so bad about myself, but it wasn't because of them. It was because of me and how I was feeling in my own life. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was doing in my day to day or who I even was. And so taking that step away from probably like the peak of my social media at that time and just going dark. It was like, it was the best thing I ever did for myself because Instagram and social media is not reality. It's falsified and we can glamorize ourselves and we can glamorize our lives and make it whatever we want it to be. But you're not, I'm not coming home to you at the end of the day. I don't know what your bank account looks like. I don't know, you know, if you're even in a happy relationship 
And I, I don't know those things about your life. I assume because I see what you post, but who's to say that that's even true. And I think that like Heidi Powell, for instance, if you're aware of who she is, um, she's a pretty big fitness influencer and a celebrity trainer and stuff like that. But her and her husband, well, ex-husband now, like Chris Powell, they were running uh, from what I've seen on social media and what they've opened up about is they were running a, you know, the successful fitness business together and they have four kids, they have a blended family and um, everything was happy. Well, then all of a sudden they came out and they're like, no, we're not happy. We're actually getting divorced. We're co-parenting really well. And it just kind of puts that perspective of, wow, these images can really falsify what's really going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think that for you know, women and men, it's to not take everything you see so Mm -hmm. cut and dry Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of depth to what people put on social media. And just because they're driving a Ferrari or or Bentley doesn't mean that they have money. A lot of those cars are rented just because somebody has, you know, a physique that you like, it doesn't necessarily mean it's theirs. Photoshop is very prevalent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, the best advice I could give is follow the things that inspire you follow, you know, artists follow, you know, a nutrient, like stuff that gives you tips and helps you in your life. If you're following people, you're comparing yourself to, you're not going to break that cycle. You're just there out of honestly pettiness. You're not there because you're supporting and encouraging and creating a happy community for yourself. You're there to, you're hurting yourself in the end. Yeah. And I, follow a lot of people. I had to follow a lot of other competitors and a lot of influencers because I didn't feel good. And now I can come to the table and look at these people that, yeah, are more successful than me, but I follow them because a, you go girlfriend, like you accomplish your goals. Like that is amazing. That is incredible. It takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication and a lot of time that people don't understand. Like you're monetizing and running a business. It's it's not like you just woke up and we're like, Oh, I'm Instagram famous. No, you put in time. You, you hustled to get there and people who aren't supporting you on your journey. Like those aren't your people. You're going to attract your vibe and your tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I just think that if you're not following things that make you happier and make you feel whole, then unfollow them and surround yourself with the things that do provide that for you. Um, and also changing the perspective, like instead of getting on and saying, oh, well, she runs a podcast. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I like her podcast, but I want to run a podcast. Well, you're in that for the wrong reason. Like, no, I listen to your podcast. I listen to mental loops because it helps me become a better version of me. It helps me gain insight and feel better about my life. And I can take these and apply them and become the best version of myself. And yeah. that's what social media was made to be about. Right. Yeah. Just that's so, so good. It's like, I I've seen this transition, especially in 2020 of like social media. If, if someone isn't teaching you something, like if you watch something and you're just like either being, um, put down because you're doing something or because, you know, maybe they're saying something where you're like, it kind of causes you to, to compare yourself. Well, a, you're right. Like it's probably something that you need to heal. Cause it's probably a trigger for you. So <laughs> there's something yeah. there. But the other part is like, it better teach me something. I, I better, I either get inspired or get taught by most of the people that I follow. And if not, um, they're gone. So I think that that's really been a great transition that I've be, been seeing on social media 
because, because we sort of hit this rock bottom on social media, I was like, everyone started, their mental health was going down, right? Because of the effect that it had of, well, why don't I have that? And um, why are they better than I am? Like, what do I not have, right? So it's, I think it exposed a lot of things that we sort of had to deal with in 2020 while we were home. <laughs> so in, in that sense, it was an interesting journey. Yeah. And I totally agree. And I think that we no longer had to kind of, we didn't suffer in silence anymore. We all kind of like suffered as a community. And I, I honestly don't, it's weird because there was a lot of people, there are a lot of people that were really, really struggling and it was really positive and inspiring to see the community come together and just really build off of that and help and give back. I mean, even I, I really do think that this year too was just like so divided. Like it was, you're either over here or you're over here, but there was no gray zone on any aspect of um, anything that was going on. And it was it kind of for me in the fitness space was like, this is our time. Like we're yeah, fine. I felt the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I think a lot of people had a lot of um, woke moments mm -hmm. and realizing that like, I just lost my job. I have bills I have to pay. I was miserable doing what I was doing. And I think that happened in the beginning of the shutdown because so many people were just furloughed. They weren't even, you know, like going home to work. They were just laid off so they could get unemployment and like pay their bills. And I think that's when during that downtime, people started off like, oh, I'm going to get this project done, this project done, this project done, because I've been wanting to organize my garage for a year and I've been wanting to like start walking. But then it kind of that fizzled out after the first couple of weeks. And then people were like, whoa, OK, like the fun's kind of over. Like, what am I doing with my life? And that's when, for at least for my industry, you know, we got our first initial wave because people are like, I'm not going down. I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting COVID. I got to get healthy. I got to lose weight. I have all this time. I'm going to make it happen. So those people like took the initiative. And then the second wave, um, at least here in Arizona, we had shut down again and then reopened. And during that second wave, it was like all the people that just kind of like partied through the first half of the pandemic and just like ate DoorDash every day. And they're like, okay, now I need to start getting my health on track. Okay. And then the third, from the third lockdown, people kind of came out of that and they're like, okay, I have a job. I feel secure. I have financials. I'm like ready to invest in my health and like get serious about this because I have a routine now. And then ever since then, I think more people are being brought to light that like my health is important. You know, no matter what your belief yeah. on the virus is or like where you stand, I think everyone is realizing that, wow, my health really matters. Mm -hmm. And I think this younger generation and, and my generation in particular, we, it, <laughs> I think this is kind of a fun analogy. So us in our twenties, our parents were like the eighties generation, right? Like they're all the eighties kids. And when you think of the eighties, it's like, you know, partying and drinking and rock and roll and like this and that. So their habits like weren't as constructed as ours were. And so when we were all raised, it was like, well, you know, you get, we have a little bit more flexible parenting styles as opposed to like the boomers did. And so now our generation is like so serious about health and wellness that I, it's really honestly like kind of foreign to me when I meet somebody and they're like not into some form mm -hmm. of fitness or, yeah. you know, health eating. And I just think that's also given to us by more bountiful options. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I mean, just in food alone, like you, you, you can go anywhere now and just be like, Oh, do you have like a vegan or a dairy free option? Oh, yeah, not that, sure. you know, mm -hmm. 
just as a common example, because it's popular right now. Um, but for the most part, I really think that over the last couple of years, our generation is really changing that in 2020, it really set the precedence and shaped that as well. And I'm excited to see what's to come for, for health and fitness. I think it's going to be just yeah. really inspiring. Yeah. And me too. You know, um, my husband and I, we own a boxing gym actually, and he, um, yes. it's, it's more of his, his baby. I, I help out here and there, but what we are noticing it's, you know, people are starting to kind of come back out. Um, and so for us, like we had just opened, um, we like, we were open like six months when the pandemic hit. So it was going up, up, up. <laughs> we were getting members and it was go, we were just killing it. Right. And then I just like, if you look at the graph at all our numbers, it's going down. However, I do believe in me are very optimistic that a lot of people are going to, you know, mid this year are going to start resurfacing of like, Hey, we're ready. Like we've been through this emotional journey. Like you just said, like we're ready to not only get healthier, but also community. Cause that's such a big thing. Like owning a gym, like we are noticing the importance of how much gym tribes um, have an effect on our just stress levels, like coming there, exchanging, like, how was your day? What's going on in your life, working out together and then bonding afterwards. Like, just like, you know, like it just boxed. Go get in a cyber or something. I mean, yeah. it's just the community. And I think that's what most people are looking forward to is we really took for granted what we had. And now that we're we've been for the most part locked away in our homes and, you know, had to readjust to this more distant lifestyle. I think that people are eager to just be able to go to the grocery store and not wear a mask or to be able to, you know, go hug one of their friends or just be with their family. And I, as much negative came from 2020, I think so much positive came from it as Mm -hmm. well, that people are going to be a lot more compassionate and Mm -hmm. understanding and, um, more into self-care. And I, I truly believe like even for your guys' boxing gym, I think as soon as this vaccine is, you know, a little bit more uh, distributed, I think that people are going to start to feel more comfortable and confident about it. And I, yeah. it's, I mean, there, it, it can't go down. There's no way, like there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty optimistic about all that and excited too. So maybe tell people like where they can find you. Um, I know you talked a little bit about the 16 week program. Um, but yeah, if you just want to tell us what, what all that entails and yeah, that'd be great. Great. Yeah. So, um, I run, okay. So I just launched actually on the fourth, um, my new 16 week bikini body transformation program. It's not a challenge. It's actually a program. So there's your prize at the end is your transformation, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a group inspired community online. So it doesn't matter if you live in Canada, it doesn't matter if you live in Chicago or California or Arizona, anybody can come and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very selective on the people that I do bring into this group, because again, I want to make sure that you are going to show up for not only yourself, but everybody there. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And, mm-hmm. um, if you're not showing up that kind of sets the precedence for everybody else but it's a three-phase training system. So you get six days a week of uh, workouts. I can modify to at-home ones, um, but 
it is made and designed to be an in-gym setting and most states are open back up like California. I've definitely had to um, make accommodations for it, but I think it's going to kind of be like that for probably the next six months to a year for California. Um, but yeah, anyways, so they get six days a week of workouts and training um, all for about an hour, hour and a half duration, cardio included as needed. The first phase is focusing on our central nervous system. So we're really focusing on compound heavy lifts in that three to six rep range. So we can build the base. Women want to tone up and we want to feel sexy, but we have to build muscle in order to create a toned appearance. Um, and then we move into a uh, six weeks uh, hypertrophy phase, which is where we're going to start increasing the intensity a little bit, but we're still focusing on building lean muscle mass. It's not as intense as the first six weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, this is what's really going to develop out that lean aesthetic appearance and then give them the like sexy, you know, toned look that most women want to achieve. Um, we're focusing on an eight to 12 rep range with some, uh, fun interval training in there. And then the last, uh, four weeks are, a cutting and endurance phase. So we're focusing on higher volume, more hit training, um, just really trying to burn as many calories in an efficient amount of time as we can. So that at the end of this program, you have the body that you are wanting to accomplish. So it's basically like a year long pro so what's supposed to be a year long program condensed into four months. So it doesn't really matter where you're starting in your journey. If you're 200 pounds overweight, if you are already um, an intermediate to an advanced athlete, or if you're a beginner, it has a little bit of something for everyone. Um, they're also getting their nutrition involved in this, uh, nutrition is the basis of everything. So Absolutely. your yeah. nutrition is 85, 90% of it. And then the workouts are just the garnish on top of the drink. Yeah. So, um, with their nutrition, they're getting custom macros. So their macros are completely calibrated to them. They're getting eight, uh, nutrition templates a month. So that's two nutrition templates. They can follow a week or they can follow eight in a week and a half, whatever they want to do. Um, so there's lots of variety there for them. Their macros will never match that of somebody else's because we're all our own person. So what works for me isn't going to work for you and vice versa. Uh, and then they're getting the Facebook group accountability. So they um, have the opportunity to connect with other women. We're doing weekly live um, Q&As, uh, live teachings on how to implement and use macros, uh, guidance through the gym, guidance through life with the Habit Reformation Workbook, which is exclusive to this group only. Um, that's almost 100 pages of a straight 16-week workbook. So they're really getting so much value. Um, it would, if you were to put a value on the workbook, it's about a $6,000 value just for that alone. Mm -hmm. So that's really fun. And that's actually been my client's favorite part of this entire program is the workbook. Um, so I'm super excited to see people really eager about transforming their lives. Yeah. Um, and then also accountability is extremely important. So not only are you getting that group accountability, but I'm there with you. Um, throughout the entire process. So each week my clients get a full 30 minute conversation with me. Um, every, every week it's the same day, same time for them. So there's never any confusion or fluctuation. They know every Monday at 6 PM, they're checking in with Sam and starting their week off on a positive note. Um, but also an, uh, uh, the ability for them to have their questions answered and um, any concerns, celebrate their successes and then get the guidance they need to keep them moving forward. Wow. We do fasted weight and picture check-ins weekly and um, 
it's just a really positive environment and I'm just, I'm so excited. Yeah. So. Which is so important. Yeah. The community is, is a great addition to all that. Um, well, cool. And where, um, so because it is mental loops and one of the integral parts of the podcast is sharing some mental loops. So what are some thoughts, some affirmations, um, some things that have gotten you to where you are today with your mindset? Do you yeah. can you have any? Um, I think one of the main ones is, um, well, oh my gosh, I have so many. <laughs> so I, I think that two of the main ones that I would say is one, be kind to yourself, be healing towards yourself. Um, you, you have to take in one of my favorites that I've heard from someone else is taking imperfect action mm-hmm. and if you are like me and a perfectionist, we can spend and invest all of our time trying to perfect everything that we do, but we stay stagnant. So it's about taking imperfect action in those goals and just, just starting. You literally just have to dive in and you just have to start and then you can perfect it as you go and fine tune uh, whatever that is in your life. I mean, whether it's relationships, whether it's a health and fitness journey or something that starting your own business or your career, um, taking perfect action. Yeah, that's a great one. I have a whole podcast on that, um, called taking imperfect action. So (laughs) I love that you brought that up. Do you have any other ones you want to add or let's, uh, you know, I think another one too is, just allowing fear to drive you. If you're scared to do something, dissect it and say, you know, am I really fearful of what am I really fearful of? Is it the process of it? Is it the process of leaving my comfort? I think that the most growth we find in our lives and in our, our transformations, no matter what it is, is through getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you don't feel uncomfortable doing it, then you're not challenging or pushing yourself. And I think that we find the most growth in those uncomfortable Mm -hmm. times because it forces us to be problem solvers. And that's how we build our independence and then let go a little bit of our codependency. And again, like that can be related to spousal and, you know, career oriented. It's, I just, I would hate for myself um, specifically to look back and live a life of, you know, regret because I didn't take, I, I didn't take action on doing things mm-hmm. because I was scared. I would rather try them and fail than to have never tried it at all. And that's so cliche to say, but it's true. I mean, yeah. where do you want to be? What do you want to do? What is one thing that terrifies you? And yeah. uh, I <laughs> jokingly with, you know, my family said, 2020 is going to be the year that I live like I'm dying. And then I'm like, I'm going skydiving this year. I'm going skydiving. I'm doing everything that scares the living shit out of me. Right. And I was like, no one can stop me because if I die, I'm going out of Victor. And, <laughs> and, then I, got down and I was like, 2021 is going to be the year. And so this year I'm like, I'm, you know, God damn it. I'm doing it. Like I am going to go jump out of a plane. I'm going to go scuba diving. I'm going to do these things and you can follow me on Instagram to see them unfold and happen. But, um, yeah, yeah anybody wants, uh, advice or guidance or just wants to come along for the journey and get some, um, fun laughs and just have a good time. They can follow me on Instagram at Sam Wallace fit. Um, if you're interested in coaching, you can send me a direct message on there or visit my website at samwallacefitness.com. Yeah, that's great. I'll definitely include all that information in the show notes for everyone. Um, 
Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for sharing your energy and your story and all the great advice for all my, for my audience. I'm sure they're going to love it. Hey, love, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave me a review. Take a screenshot of the episode and post it on Instagram or just reach out to me and let me know any feedback or any topics you'd like to hear about. Let's grow this community together. Much love.